us those readings from the word of the Lord as we, we look at again in, on this day uh, in this series of Lent, Amazing Grace, and what that means for us, how that's captured us, uh, in our lives in, in this, these days, but also unto eternity, and how we celebrate uh, that amazing grace each day in lives that are lived in thankfulness and praise to our saving God. In that, amaz- in that account of amazing grace, Howard, my clicker's not working. There we go. We sang this morning, my chains are gone, I've been set free. Now that's not part of John Newton's original hymn. Uh, that's uh, a modern rendition uh, of the song that we sang of Amazing Grace. But it includes, in, it, it, these words include the totality of what John, John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, was getting at. My chains are gone. That which has weighed me down and, and hindered me, that which has kept me locked up and condemned and contained, have been broken now. And I'm free. I'm free from a past life. I'm free now to live unto the Lord, and I'm free to know where my life is headed unto eternity. As we talk about this, my chains are gone and I've been set free. Howard, you're going to have to do this for me. My, I think my thing is dead. Chains are used for a couple of things, right? Uh, there's, there's many uses for chains. Uh, but maybe a couple of them that we'll focus on today is that, one, they're used to lock something up. Like we talked about in our children's message, I lock my bike up so that it doesn't get stolen. And I need, need to know the combination or have a key so that I can unlock it and ride my bike. But chains can also be used to keep something contained within a, a, a border or, or chained down or, or, or so that it doesn't move around. And Oftentimes we can think of this as like, like in the trunks of our car. Maybe not a chain, but a strap or, or something. Uh, trucks would use ch- chains as you see them go down the highway with lumber that's strapped to their beds. Now those are good uses. They can be good uses for uh, the use of chains. But chains also have that connotation when we think about locking something up or keeping something contained. That isn't so positive. That really is a, a struggle of flesh and bone, of spirit and soul, of mind and emotions too, right out of it. In Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32, we're given this parable that typically we know or call the tale, the parable of the prodigal son. And it's true. There's a son who's prodigal. But there's also another son included in this as well. Lest we forget in this account, there are two sons that the father has given his estate to, equally. Let's go and hear the word of the Lord for us this morning. Please, Howard. Jesus continues. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now the younger son's the one who's instigating all of this, for sure. But the, the second son, he also gets his equal share of the estate. The first son will go and squander it. The second son, we're not told so much what he does with it, but he's been given it. Please, Howard. And so as we hear about this parable of amazing grace for these two sons, one of them, this prodigal. Prodigal means to squander, to waste away. He's the one who goes off in wild living and wastes his inheritance and finds himself living among the pigs, in fact, starving to death. But there's the second son, who also was given an equal share of of his father's estate, of his inheritance. And we're not told what he does with that, but we can see that in the end, at the end of this parable, he's a little bit egoistic. That is, 
I'm concerned just about me and what you've done for me, even though I have already my share of the estate. And so the parable is laid out for us. The younger, we find, chained by the pleasures of the world. He's gone off and pursued that which would make, he thinks, would make him happy, complete, fulfilled in the pleasures of the world. The second, the older, is bound by this self-absorption struggle of the flesh. Both of them chained, locked up, contained because of their sinful human nature. John Newton was a man who knew all about this, didn't he? John, as we talked about last week, knew the, the hard, heartache and hardship of losing a parent early in life. His father was a Navy, a merchant Navy captain and was gone to sea, and so didn't know his father very much. But then his father asked him to follow in his footsteps, and so John joined the Navy. Hated it. Hated the discipline. Hated the, the regulation to it all. He was a free-minding kind of thinker and didn't want to be bound by these chains of authority and, and, and um, chain of command, so to speak. And so he revolted. He, he actually abandoned his post. He was brought back, flogged, and literally put in chains, bound in chains. He then joined a, a slaving ship as a mate, was abused terribly on that ship by not only the captain but his mistress as well, uh, was sold then and bought his own or, or joined on his own uh, uh, slaving ship where for years he captained then a slave ship between Africa and the Caribbean. John knew all about chains, literally. Himself, the people that he locked up, kept contained. He knew about the chains that gripped his heart, his soul, his mind, who he was as a person. He knew every kind of aspect about being chained up. In fact, this is what was said about him. Espousing free-thinking principles, he remained arrogant and insubordinate, and he lived with moral abandon. <laughs> Which one of the sons does that sound like? Huh? I sinned, he said, with a high hand, and I made it my study to tempt and seduce others. John took up employment with a slave trader named Clow, who owned a plantation of lemon trees on an island off of West Africa. But he was treated cruelly by Clow and the slaver's African mistress, and so soon Newton's clothes turned to rags, and Newton was forced to beg for food to allay his hunger. He's a living parable of Jesus. John knew all about this. It's not just John, though. It's you and me. It's these two lost sons and us in this account as well. We too, I know, and you as well, what it's like to be chained. Maybe not literally. I've never had to experience that. Although many Christians around the world do know what it's like to be chained because of their faith. But what about the chains that are around my heart, my mind, my my thinking about who God is and who I am in his sight, even as we've been called by grace through faith to be members of his kingdom, still we're weighed down and locked up because of this nature that plagues us. And I find myself locked away, unworthy, wondering why God would love me instead of condemning me. 
This parable, in its wholeness, describes our sinful nature in its totality. We find ourselves a reflection of the first son. We find ourselves a reflection of the second son. And it also, please go back one more, Howard. It also describes the microcosm of daily life. This is what daily life is like, right? These chains that plague us. Go ahead, please. My nature in itself only wants to pursue the pleasures of my flesh on the one hand. <laughs> that first son. That's what I love to live for, if I'm honest with myself and my nature. And daily I'm chained to this destructive, sinful activity. Right? We are. We stand before the Lord God condemned because of this. And none of us are innocent in his sight. And in my nature, I am self-absorbed. I daily find myself bound and contained in this sinful activity. I would like the world and everything around it, all the people in my orbits, to orbit around me. Which one of us is not guilty of that? We stand before the Lord condemned. Here we are, Father, chained in this sinfulness in which we find ourselves. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior. He's the one who's done this for you and me. He does this daily for us in the forgiveness of our sins. Sure, he knows all about our hearts and lives. He knows about our sinful nature. He walked in our shoes, sinless. But he too was chained on that cross, not by a chain, but by nails, by a crown of thorns, by the abandonment of our own Heavenly Father, who would lock his Son away for you and me. Jesus, who would die for our forgiveness, to break the chains that bind us in these days, that breaks the chain that would keep us away from our Heavenly Father, that we might be now accepted, welcomed as free people in his kingdom. Unto life everlasting. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Praise to the Lord for doing this for me and you and us and all who believe in him. Isn't this what the word told us? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. In other words, that's a long way of saying you're chained. <laughs> Remember that? That's how you used to live. Enslaved. All of us lived among them at one time, too, gratifying the cravings of our, our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were deserving of wrath. That's where we were. But now, because of his great love for us, the Lord God, rich in mercy, freely giving to us his grace, dispensing that. Here's your key. Here's the combination. Let me give this to you so that you might know the freedom that I long for you to have as my people. Made us alive with Christ. Go back, please. Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Friends, it is by grace that we have been saved. My chains are gone. I've been set free. This amazing grace, John Newton wrote about because he lived it. He knew it. He came to know Jesus as Savior during a storm one time on a ship that he was out in, you know, while he was out in sea. 
he had been doing some reading. Thomas Akempis, one of the church fathers, he had been doing some reading on that. And, and, and so it, things were going around in his mind. And at, in the midst of this storm, when death was imminent, John repented. As you and I have this morning, as we're called to each day, here's what I'm locked up with, Lord. Here's what's binding me in my life and keeping me from you. He repented. And by grace, through faith, knew Jesus as his Savior and Lord. And at that moment, click, the lock was open. Spin the combination, click, the lock is open. And John's life was set free. And so he would pen, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <laughs> and we might join in those very words as well. Amazing grace. Please, Howard. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Now a life lived unto eternity in Jesus who leads me every day. So here it is. I am this younger son. And we hear in verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, that's me. My father, our heavenly father, sees us and knows us. And he goes running towards us, freely giving to us and extending his welcome of grace into our hearts and lives. Into his kingdom, he calls us. Ah, you're mine. Welcome home. You know, and that's, a, that's an everyday occurrence, isn't it? Every day when Jesus reminds us our sins have been forgiven. The lock is open. The combination is yours. Here, welcome into my presence. That's ours. So, the Lord directs me towards the joys then of his kingdom for fulfillment. I don't need, I don't need to learn from the mistakes of this first son or the mistakes of my past to, find, to seek to find the pleasures of the world to give me satisfaction. Been there, done that. Don't need that. What I am directed to now as a child of God is that my fulfillment, my joy, that which brings satisfaction is found in the pursuit of his kingdom, in his ways, all defined by his grace. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Friends, once when you were saved and every day as that grace is given to you and the blessing of the Lord God's forgiveness, heaven celebrates. For your life is renewed in that saving grace of Jesus. And there's another son, please. I'm, a, I'm the older son as well because this is how our father treats us too. His father went out and pleaded with him, saying, My son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. Please. The Lord God directs me then towards the concern for others. Not about me. It's not about who orbits my life. It's about me in the kingdom loving other people. We had to celebrate, his father said, and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And he's found. You know that scripture where the angels celebrate when one person knows the saving grace of God. And that's you and me as well. Heaven celebrates. And we're welcomed by God's grace into his kingdom once and every day. 
by his grace given to us in Jesus. Amazing grace. How sweet that sounds. We've been saved, set free. My chains are gone. We live in the joy and the blessing of who we are as God's people, sons and daughters of the King, blessed to be His. And to know that amazing grace is to live then that amazing grace to His praise and glory. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for your word that speaks to our hearts, it penetrates our hearts, Lord, and calls us from that which we find ourselves locked up, chained in. You freed us, Heavenly Father by he who is the key of our life and salvation, Jesus. The combination that brings us freedom into your kingdom. We thank and praise you, Father, for that amazing grace that saved us through faith to be acclaimed as your children and to carry that now in our lives every day to pursue the things of your kingdom, Father, which are the longings of our heart. To be concerned about others and their well-being because you've already taken care of me. I'm yours. And so, Heavenly Father, use us well to the proclamation of your praise and glory for that amazing grace which is ours in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the peace of God that passes our understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one who gives to us his grace amazingly each and every day unto life everlasting. Amen. Amen.